When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Do you like boats? Do you like big boats? Do you like poor people and the rich people they serve on big boats? Are you always like, what goes on below deck? Hi, this is Anna Hosnier. And Nick Turner. The hosts of Deckheads. And we want to take you on a fun and goofy adventure. In this binge-style podcast, we will watch and recap every episode of Bravo's Below Deck and all of its spinoffs. And we're going to release an episode a day so you can watch along with us and listen to our silly daily recaps. Listen to Deckheads on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. And Kristen, I thought maybe today we could start the podcast with a little dose of my personal pain from childhood. Oh, Always a good way to start a podcast, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I love hearing your painful past stories. All right, here you go. Here's one. And this probably represents the most embarrassed I ever was as an adolescent. Ever? Ever. Wow. Okay, shoot. Okay, so I'm 16. Just got my driver's license. Uh Uh-huh. My dad's taking me to the used car lot to find a car. And we find one we like. And we go into that little room that car salesmen take you into, and they're trying to make the deal. Mm -hmm. And I became mortified when my father started haggling because it just, I don't know, I just thought that the car salesman would would get a bad impression of us, and he was being so forceful. And I just was really upset by it that I actually went and hid in the bathroom instead of waiting for my, my deal to be made. I was just, I was just so embarrassed that my father negotiated that car price. First of all, Molly, I find it amazing that that is your most embarrassing story from childhood. It is. Well, I mean, I said adolescence, but yeah, I mean, I I was freaked out that all of a sudden we're getting in there. My dad's yelling at some guy about numbers. Yeah, I mean, negotiation is definitely an uncomfortable thing to have to do. Especially for women, I find. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it sounds pretty stereotypical. Like, oh, women don't like to negotiate. I don't like to negotiate. I like totally fit that stereotype. Well, you're not the only one, Kristen. Oh, thank God. I mean, in addition to me, we've got a whole host of statistics we can go over about how women don't like to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And I was so relieved to find that most women think about it the way I do. They say they see it as going to the dentist, basically. Right. Men see negotiation as like a wrestling match, a time to get down and dirty. And that's how my dad was. Like when we got in the car to like drive it off the lot, my dad was like pumped. He had adrenaline going through him. He was happy with the deal he made. And, you know, he just explained to me, like, the guy expects it. That's what right. he's supposed to do. Whereas if it was you driving that car off a lot, you probably would have been just shaking. So relieved, like ripping a Band-Aid off or something. Right. Like, I just, you know, get through it. And I would have probably still been embarrassed about it, even if I had negotiated myself. Been like, oh, gosh, he thinks I'm I'm just an awful person. Right. Women sometimes are socialized to, you know, not be pushy like that. Negotiation, I think, can feel 
just naturally uncomfortable because it goes against maybe the um, types of things we were raised with, the types of stereotypical behavior, you know, that women were and were not expected to do. You know, negotiation and haggling is a man's job. So Right. And it seems impolite. You mm-hmm. know, if you were raised uh, a good Southern girl like me, that's not within your manners to just start haggling. Right. And that kind of cultural factor could be one of the reasons why 20% of adult women say that they never negotiate at all, even though they need know that they need to. Right. And this just, you know, it, it may save you face for like a few minutes, but it has very long ranging uh, financial implications mm-hmm. in every aspect, whether it's buying a car, negotiating your car price, negotiating your first salary. It's, it costs to not negotiate, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, there's a real world example that I think sums this up pretty well. Uh, there was one study um, in which men and women participants were told that if they came and participated, uh, they would earn between five and twelve dollars. So at the end of the study, when the women were leaving, the the people who were conducting the study said, "Oh, here you go. Here's your five dollars," and most of the women just took the $5, whereas a lot of the men, once they were handed $5, said, whoa, whoa, wait a second, you said that I could get up to $12, I would like $12. And they actually negotiated their way up to doubling and almost tripling, you know, that initial $5. Right. A little known fact of uh, how I got Kristen to do this podcast was I gave her $5 Mm -hmm. instead of 12. Wait a second. And... But here's the thing. I mean, that's probably what um, people did when they got their first job. You know, maybe they were told a range of salaries. Mm-hmm. And when they got the bottom one, they just took it. Whereas men are more inclined to ask for more. Right. Men who negotiate their jobs are usually able to increase their starting salaries by an average of 7.5% or $4,000. And that is nothing to sneeze at. 4, oh, no. $4,000. That's a... Down payment on something. Right. And men are initiating these negotiations about four times as much as women. So you hear a lot about the gender pay gap. You know, this is kind of what it made me think of. Um, On average, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, women make about 80% of what men usually make for the same job. But one interesting study that kind of relates to all this is that men's starting salaries are usually about $4,000 higher than women's on average. And if men were going in there and negotiating for that 7.4% more, or about $4,000, that could be one of the areas where we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot and keeping that gap wide open. So basically, we start off behind, and then we can never catch up. Mm -hmm. We're shooting ourselves in the foot and never catching up. And to the tune of the fact that by the time we're 60, we're $500,000 behind the men Mm -hmm. in overall salary earnings. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Yes, it does. So you know what, Molly? we got to take back the power. We gotta learn how to negotiate. Okay. I want $500,000 and I want it now. (laughs) Okay, I'm not gonna get it now. But let's learn about how negotiation works. Okay. There are three parts of negotiation. First, you recognize the conflict. All right. You want something, say, all right, your dad was that a used car salesman. He, He wants a car and he wants it for cheaper. There's a conflict. Then you state your claims. Your dad, while you were hiding in the bathroom, was probably telling the used car salesman that he wanted the car for, let's say, $15,000 instead of $20,000. He was stating his claim. And then once they started haggling, at some point they had to concede. They had to meet somewhere in the middle. So maybe instead of buying the $20,000 car for $15,000, he paid, oh, $17,000. So that, in a nutshell, is 
a negotiation. Right. But I was more worried about the people on the other side of it, which was I was worried that the seller wanted to make as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that, you know, um, the seller wanted more money for the car. But what I was doing was sort of ignoring the fact where I could, um, just by, you know, being interested in the car, I could give him a benefit. He could sell a car that day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe get a commission, maybe just meet a sales quota. And so that's, I think, a key point is to realize that there can be benefits in the deal for everyone. You've just got to find them. Right. And one of the the first places that you should start before you even walk into that sales room and start haggling is you got to do your homework. Right. You've got to know how much, let's say, back to the car, if you're buying a car, you have to know how much it is actually worth in whatever specific condition it's in so that you can walk in there knowing that they're probably inflating the price somewhat and you can have facts to back you up with, you know, justifying your claims. Exactly. And the same thing if you're, you know, negotiating your salary. And this one might be a little bit harder because you got to turn the lens on yourself. you got to know how much you are worth. Right. So that means before you even go in for a job interview, you've got to know what other people in this position are making, um, you know, what kind of education background you're bringing to this, what your skill sets are that are that are very, you know, defined and special to you mm-hmm. because you have something to offer. When we go in for jobs, we often think, oh, man, I hope I get hired. I need a job. Right. But you have services that you were offering to them. And that's what you've got to remember is it's still a two way street, just like buying a car. Exactly. And that's all part of strategizing your approach. A lot of times with negotiations, there are two approaches you can take. You can take the more soft approach, which you would probably use in a salary negotiation situation where, you know, you don't want to, um, anger your, you know, potential new boss by demanding to have some insanely high salary. So you're probably going to want to work with him a little bit more, be a little, you know, a little gentler. But then if you go to the car lot, you're probably going to want to take more of a hard approach. You're going to say, you know what, I'm only paying $15,000 for this car, and you can take it or leave it. Right. And I will say, since we do have um, women's concerns at our forefront, Kristen, you don't want to be too soft with the boss, though. True. Because there are studies that show that women probably take um, more of a soft approach than they need to, and they back down. Whereas Mm -hmm. when men negotiate with their future bosses, it's just business. They're able to separate out that um, idea that they might offend the boss and play hardball, and then go have drinks with the boss afterwards, whereas that's not something that women are as comfortable doing. Now, Molly, that sounds like a certain negotiation strategy that I've heard of called separating the people from the problem. And I think that that strategy is one of the number one things, at least for me personally, with negotiation, that I'd have to keep in mind. Right. It's not personal. Right. Walking into negotiations, we might care a little bit too much about how that other person is going to perceive us if we're going to come across as hard-nosed (laughs) B-words who, uh, who they're just going to badmouth once we leave. We need to get rid of all of that. If we've done our homework and we have a strategy worked out, we need to separate what people are going to think about us from what we actually need to accomplish. And what we need to do is think about what they want, because if we get to the root of demands and not just think about positions that people hold, like boss and job applicant, mm-hmm. buyer, seller, but if we get to what each person wants and how they can benefit from things, then you can sort of make your demands so that they seem reasonable. You know, you say, well... I have all this special certification in X, so I think I should get X more dollars. Mm -hmm. And if you approach it like that, you can actually enlarge the pie, if you will, that you're looking at. So Molly, let's also think about, let's think about negotiation as a pie. All right. Pizza pie? (laughs) 
It could be a pizza pie. I was thinking of a blueberry pie, but I think you're really pie. excited about negotiation. All right, think of, so let's think of a negotiation as a pepperoni pizza for Molly's sake. And, um, you know, I want, I want three quarters of it, but you, but you don't want to give it to I me. I only want to give you just a little bit. <laughs> you only want to give me one slice. So there, but there are actually ways in negotiation that you can enlarge the size of that pie. You can have a pie. And a calzone on the side. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. And that's called inventing options for mutual gain. And I really like this concept of negotiation because it allows you to think of as many options as possible so that both parties can walk away satisfied. So going back to salary negotiation, if you can't take as much of a hardlined approach with demanding, you know, your $50,000 salary, maybe you would be more satisfied with, say, and an extra week of vacation. You just expanded your pie. So it's like getting a salad with the pizza. Mm -hmm. Breadsticks with the pizza. Yes. Now I'm pretty distracted by the pizza, but I also think that, you know, despite how much I love pizza, you've still got to be objective about it at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just going to settle for a pizza because they're giving me a personal pan pizza even though they know I love pizza, at the, at the end of the day, I'm going to keep my emotions in check and be like, even though I love pizza, I'm not going to settle for just this little amount of pizza if it's not enough for me. Mm-hmm. You have to remember how much power that you hold as a consumer, as someone who you know has job talents or whatever it is that you're negotiating for. You hold a lot of power when you walk into a negotiation situation as long as you do your homework. Right. So I guess the message here for all women who find negotiation a little bit scary is just to, you know, do your homework, mm-hmm. right? Keep the emotions out of it. Right. And since that's all easier said than done, why don't we end on just a few more really scary statistics, Kristen? Well, this one, if this does not convince you that you need to start negotiating, I really don't know what will. Because, Molly, women who consistently negotiate their own salary earn at least one million more dollars in their careers than women who don't. A million dollars. Molly, do you know how many pizzas that you can buy That's for a million dollars? a lot of pizza. You can eat pizza every day. Every <laughs> well, day. I'm sold on negotiation. No more haggling for me. Mm-hmm. But for with you. I mean, I will haggle now in, in the real world. Oh, and by the way, uh, I want $12 instead of $5 for this podcast. <laughs> we'll see about that. Let's negotiate. Let's go get pizza. Well, if you want to learn more about negotiation or other business topics, you can read all about that on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben, dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. 
Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.